Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment podcast. We are your hosts. <laughs> I'm Jim Parkin, Nick Chandler, and Pastor Carl Jones. What up? What is going on? Hey. Anyway, so well, I kind of want to talk to you. I'll, I'll set this up. So a couple months back, uh, a young EMT I know, a couple years married, you know, young parents. He hit me up and said he wanted to do an episode or he had an idea for an episode talking about fatherhood. Kind of like the whole journey. But then I was like, yeah, cool. We could incorporate, you know, working in EMS, working in this first responder world and how we transition at the end of a shift. Well, then I could never get him back on the phone. So here we are. I was going to have him on the episode and I couldn't get him to do it. <laughs> so what I thought would be cool as we talked about. I'm filling status. All right. <laughs> well, at least you got invited before. I was last minute, like half an hour, man. <laughs> that's funny, too. Yeah, Ashley hit me up. I was like, I bet you. I was like, ah, that's cool. And then I was like, I bet Nick doesn't even know anything about this. <laughs> awesome nope <laughs> so, so awesome. Yeah. pastor carl and i we've had this conversation before about the similarities between ministry and medics right you know what i mean you know and and just how you know similar it can be but i kind of want to start from the beginning from just those moments because i'm sure it was pretty close to the same for all of us when you're first finding out like kid number one i mean <laughs> I think everybody, I would be lying if I said I wasn't like, oh, snap. Like, what do I know about this? Yeah. Like, what I've heard from people, though, is, well, as soon as I looked in their eyes, I knew that I was dead and it was all good. Speaking for myself, that is entirely untrue. <laughs> <laughs> I still was like, whoa, you know. So, I don't know. How about for you guys? How about that initial, those initial you know, moments, days, years of fatherhood. I think even the mindset of whether or not you got, for me, having a, a boy or a girl first changes stuff. You know, you, right. you, you think differently. You know, you know, I remember finding out we were having a boy and, you know, you start thinking about the things you're going to pass on to your son you know, um, and with my son in particular, well, my oldest son, I guess I have to say now, but you know, your, your namesake, you know, he's my namesake, you know, he's a third, um, you know, and, and the different thought process that you have, um, when you find out you're having a girl, you know, um, and wanting to raise them to be strong women and, you know, raise them to be able to make, you know, choices and not be dependent or, you know, that, that's just my whatever. But, you know, you, there's very much a, you know, I had a different thought process for, for my, my boys than I did for my girls, you know, but going into, 
yeah, I mean, three of our four kids were not planned, (laughs) 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 you know, and, and I, and even when you do quote unquote plan, you know, I'm not sure that everything goes at to plan, but you know, uh, it is, it was definitely with Trey, um, you know, he's my oldest, he's 12. Yeah. That was a, a pretty big surprise. We had like the three to four year plan and seven months into being married, we, we find out we're pregnant. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I just saw dollar bills floating away, you know, there's $250,000 for the you next know? 10 years. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh man, this is crazy. Like I'm excited, but at the same time, it's like, man, I'm holy, this was not part of the plan, you know, but right. uh, but I, I wouldn't have had it any other way. You know, I remember coming home one day and, you know, Trey, Trey was probably a month or two old and, you know, Faye and him were on the couch. And I just remember looking at them thinking this, this is the way it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. 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 I kind of had a similar experience. Um, I have four kids as well. And first kid was not, you know, wasn't planned. Um, the other three, I can say it wasn't planned, but for Ashley, it was planned. Um, but, <laughs> you know, so, and it, it doesn't take a lot, you know, convincing. Um, but, um, it, you know, to add to the whole son and daughter thing, it, it took, you know, I had three girls first. Um, well, no, two girls. Sorry, I had the first two girls first, then I had my boy, then I had another girl. Um and I, I just, I wanted a son, you know, and to hand down that name, to hand that legacy down. Um, and I remember um, when I found out that um, my second was a girl, like, I was just like Charlie Brown in it all the way out after ultrasound, you know, it's just like, oh man, I just, you know, I really wanted a boy and everything else. And, and, um, and then after having a boy, I'm like, man, the girls are so much easier kind of thing right now. Um, <laughs> but to to go back to what, you know, Carl was saying about the difference between a boy and girl, you know, with my girls, I, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but with my girls, I, just like any father, I think they want to give them the world, right? They just give them anything they can, and but at the same time teach them in a way that they're going to, you know, add value to life. Right. Um, but then my son, I wanted him to create the world. I wanted him to, um, be so independent and fight for and earn everything that he gets. And, um, so I I don't know, I don't know how that came about. I don't know how my mindset was with that. Um, but that was kind of just the difference between the boys and girls with me. Um, so right on. Well, so for me, it's quite a bit. I'm not, uh, uh, I don't, ha- I have four kids at home. I do, but also I was married prior. So I have an oldest who actually I adopted and she's got three kids of her own and lives in California. And then I have Taylor who is, 23 she lives in 
in Spokane, Washington now. She was living in Seattle. So she's my first. And with her, what's crazy is she was born and just like she's a big, big baby, like 12 pounds, four ounces. So her first moments were she got caught, like her shoulder got stuck. They call it shoulder dystocia. And then the cord was wrapped around her neck. So then what they try to do is to get super graphic right away from your medic. What they try to do, the attempt is to dislocate the shoulder and then deliver the baby and then they'll fix the shoulder post-delivery. Well, they couldn't. So essentially what happened is she was extricated. And I'll just let you, your minds <laughs> run wild with that. But that's, that's what happened. But she wasn't breathing and they were doing CPR. And so my first experience in the delivery room was just, you know, an absolute nightmare. And then, you know, she's fine. And then our, the marriage was not great from early on anyway. We weren't saved. And it was just this whole other situation. You know, those guys are older now. And our relationship is still strained sometimes, but sometimes not. It's, it's, that'd be a whole nother episode. But then years go by, you know, Carrie and I meet and she's 10 years younger. So then we start all over, you know what I mean? Wow, yeah. So, and then, so then Avery, and then, so for us, it was Avery and then miscarriage and then Zoe and then miscarriage and then Griffin and that stuff, man, I'll tell you what this, a lot of times dads don't talk about, I mean, Honestly, a lot of times nobody talks about it, about having a miscarriage. Then you find out like so many people have experienced it. Right. But that was that was rough. And especially between Zoe and Griffin, that miscarriage, because then we were saved. We had been to Romania. We had been in life groups and were plugged in. And it was rough for Carrie. Right. Because she was like, wait a second like we're believers we're doing all this stuff like in her mind like we're doing all the right things for me i was like man I, now there's no one to blame because before i'd have been like yeah. you know blaming on a doctor or something or no i mean i'm just, talking about blaming on god oh been like, okay all right i've been like see yeah. I'd have, i would have taken that road and then now i was like then this this just is one of those things and then you know then we have griffin yeah. And then he was very young and prophetic, <laughs> you know, when he was little, he had, so yeah, it's been for all of them. They're all so different, you know, and I would agree. The girls seem to be easier so far, you know, Kalina, she's 14 years old and she's always been, she's just been the easiest to, yeah. except for, you know, my bad experience with actually having her it was just a complete you know i was 23 years old and you know never obviously never had a kid before never been in the delivery room and you know before i know it um you know ashley is just just everything's all over the floor and you know she passes out and um it's just she bled so much she lost so much blood she needed a couple of transfusions so that was kind of scary for me and then even three weeks, four weeks later, she just doesn't 
seem well to me. She just seems pale and everything else. And before I know it, you know, again, you know, she just, just bleeding everywhere again. And she starts passing on to me. So I just remember literally just wrapping a towel around her, getting her, carrying her down the stairs, putting her in the car, trying to get to the hospital. And then, you know, she passes out on me again and, like, stops breathing. And so I had to call 911, and then the ambulance met us there. We got her to the hospital, and it was just one of those things that was, I didn't have a great first experience with with the first kid like and that's why me personally i don't want any more at the time i'm like you know you almost died on me <laughs> you know i right. I, I don't want to go through that again i don't want to be selfish enough to want another kid and to possibly put you in danger right um so but it all went well from there it was just it was just a stupid you know, even me at a Christian there, almost, I was kind of, in a way, like, I was young. I was like, man, what, what, you know, typical thing. Why is this happening? You know? Uh, right. And it ended up just being a doctor's fault. He left, like, half the placenta. And he just never took it all out. And it just created an issue where. That, yeah. Yeah. And so, just because it was a bad doctor. Um, but, um but yeah, so after that, you know, after a while, after three, four years, I finally was like, all right, you know, she, she kind of wanted more. And, you know, again, like I said before, I was plan everything was planned for her. Me, I'm like, ah, you know, but all right, let's, let's do this kind of thing. Um, so, but yeah, so. It's interesting too, to be, be young like that. Right. And be, you know, like pastor Jim has preached on rights versus responsibilities and all that stuff. And how quickly that levels up, right? You know, from not really knowing what you're doing, then you have this whole different dynamic of of responsibility and stuff like that. You know, when you're not ready for it, you know, and, and it starts like you're saying, it starts and it's like all wrong. This is not how that's supposed to go. You know, it's just, it's a really cool, but at the same time, horrifying journey, really. It can be. You know, yeah. or I guess for some people, it just goes swimmingly from from start to finish. You know, uh, <laughs> I would I mean, like to meet those people, but you know, I would too. But but it, it's it's it is it's one one of the most crazy, organized chaos, joyful, just prideful thing that you're ever gonna you know experience. Um, you know, and being a father and everything like that is definitely. To me, at one point, there was just so much pressure simply just because my background with my father and wanted to be make sure that, um, you know, I was something that he wasn't or excel at um, things that he didn't or what have you, you know, pretty much right. wasn't around. So I'm already, you know, excelling at that. But um, I think between all three of us, obviously, we do have different life as a father, you know, Pastor Carl, you have to be a father in ministry, right? And, and Jim, you have to be a father in met, you know, being in the medical field to me, let's call me mainstream, right? Um, <laughs> corporate yeah. world business owner, what, what have you. So I, I, I guess, you know, I would be interested in that. How does that look like as a father, you know, starting with Jim, like, 
being in the medical field, you know, how do you juggle being a father and being in the medical field? How do you leave things at the door, and especially with the things you see? So kind of when I was thinking about this episode, I, I always come back to where Pastor Jim will say that his family, no matter what, is always going to come first and he will always stop what he's doing and take care of them. And like from the first time you heard him, I heard him say that, I was like, hmm. But the situations I find myself in, I just can't, you know, I like I literally have to be upfront and honest and say there are times when I have to ignore my family in order to do what I need to do. You know, I can't I don't I can't think about what's going on here in the house when I'm about to walk into something that's fully on fire. Right. Yeah. Or into a situation where someone's overdosed or having a type of some type of cardiac emergency, I have to be a hundred percent focused there. Um, so that there's that aspect. And then, uh, last year, obviously that was something, you know, completely, completely different. You know, I would say that we didn't, I didn't do the thing where a lot of people in healthcare were like staying in their camper or whatever, staying somebody, staying in a, getting an apartment or staying. I didn't do that. I came home every day. We had various COVID protocols. We'll say that I did, you know, like wash the uniform straight away, take a shower, all those things. But it really, for me, it always comes down to what the last call of the day is. If I'm really lucky and the last call of the day was at like three o'clock and I get off, I check out a service at like five fifteen, and it's golden. But if the last call of the day ran me late, and it was, you know, like an episode of cops or a full-blown crime scene or like blood. Everyone, somebody bled all their blood out to go. For, I mean, I only live like three minutes away from our headquarters, Yeah, you know? So to try to transition from that to the other can be difficult. And honestly, I've screwed that up before. You know, I've come in the door still, still with, still thinking about, you know, still kind of reconciling what I was just dealing with. And then it's kids and it's, you know, I have a four-year-old that still comes running, screaming, telling me about Shopkins and everything else. So to try to make that transition Shopkins, on the fly, yes. <laughs> and to try to make that on the fly, it can be difficult. That that's a, kind of can be a hard task. I've sometimes I'll just set out in the driveway for a minute, but I think, for that word world, for the first responder community, for the guys that are, that are dads, for the fathers that do that job, that's really primarily what I wanted to speak to tonight. But because if you can imagine, I can't even imagine this, like if you're a cop and you were an officer involved shooting, you know, and now you got to go home and maybe straight away change clothes and go to some type of school performance and be a hundred percent dad and stuff like that. So for me, the, the transition, that little window is, is probably the most difficult thing of the entirety of the career field to navigate. Typically it's not that big of a deal, but there are times when it's, it takes so much intention to be able to shut one light, like one world off and turn another world on inside of five minutes. You know what I mean? So 
And for so for Pastor Carl to kind of do a quick transition from the ministry standpoint, because it seems to me like you could be or the last thing you dealt with with any like a whole gambit of stuff. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think personalities play a big role in that. My personality is one where I'm capable of compartmentalizing, you know, I, yeah, there are small things here and there that may seep through, but people are going to people. I don't, you know right. what I mean? I don't know any other way to, I don't really, I don't really expect, um, I certainly don't expect perfection, you know, but I, I expect drama, you know, right. that's the, that's the expectation that was kind of set up for me very early. You know, my first day at the church was a lot of orientation type stuff. My second day, you know, I'm standing in the basement of a home in grand blank looking at a stain on the ground where a guy committed suicide and his widow's looking at me asking why, you know? So I, I kind of knew right up front that this was going to be a, a position where you have the, the uh, potential to be in front of some really painful situations, you right. know, um, and then to go from something like that to getting an email about the lights being too much on a Sunday morning, you know, and, right. and you don't want to discount like it's in the scheme of things you'd ask, which one is more important, but it's not fair to place that type of um, measurement comparison. Yeah. You don't want a person that didn't experience that thing. So, you know, I, I, that is what we do is help people help bring clarity to people that need clarity and, and all that jazz. So I, I don't, I don't expect to walk through a day not dealing with something like that. And I, I think that's kind of the first battle that gets won is understanding like, if your definition of a good day is not having to deal with any drama, you're probably in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I just don't have that expectation and that I th I feel like uniquely prepares me to be able to deal with flipping the switch when I come home. You know, right. I, I, I think the other thing is that Faye and I have an understanding that there are going to be some things I need to talk out. You know, there, there's going to be some things that, you know, when I get home, you know, we don't have a uh, leave it at the door policy in our home. We have a talk out what needs to get talked out. But if that affects the entire night, then, then that's an issue. But right. as far as like just flipping a switch and, you know, dad's dealt with all of this stuff. And then I come through the door and I have to, you know, turn this on or turn this off. Like, no, that's not, I try to give her a heads up. You know what I mean? Most times I'm home before the kids get home. Um, right. So that, it's an okay kind of decompression time if I need that. But 
you know, I, I love what I do. I love the church. I love being a pastor. I love serving that body. And, uh, you know, real early on, uh, you know, especially when I was offered, you know, that position of, you know, being the associate guy, um, I took a walk with the Lord and I'm like, God, I'm going to kill myself in this job. <laughs> you know, I'm going to work. I'm going to work all the time. You know, I'm going to field every phone call. I'm going to like, I need you to help me with this. And he told me two things, you know, one, your, your minor things with your family are more important than everybody else's major things. So my kids need to know that I'm available to do math homework for, with them. You know, my kids need to know my, that they aren't second you know, my, my wife, my, my family is my primary ministry. You know, my, my wife needs to know that she's not a mistress to the church. So, you know, so that was the first thing. And then the second one that's actually served me really well is, uh, if, if I need to meet with someone, if I am initiating meeting, I will meet with people on their time. But in general, if people need to meet with me, you're meeting on my time. You know, you don't make an appointment at the doctor and be like, ah, man, like, are you guys open at seven? (laughs) No, no, they're not. You know what I mean? Like, and I, you know, as I have, as I have honored that with my family, my family's, um, gives me leeway when the when it's impossible to honor that but you know i think when faye sees me trying and faye understands that you know this is an unavoidable situation that i have to deal with you know there's she gives me grace when i do my best to honor that like i'm not from from you know 331 until eight, you know, or seven fifty nine. That's that's really my wife's time to schedule. You know, right. from eight o'clock to three thirty. That's I will meet with you anytime, any day, anywhere, any whatever. You know, but at night, those are those are my family's hours that I I do my absolute best to respect. You know, so right. You know, little little things like that. I, I like, but I think the biggest thing for me is I just I expect people to people, so I, I'm not going right. to try to sit back. Well, absolutely. And, you yeah. know, pretend that there's not going to be drama, or try to trick myself in believing that there there aren't issues that I'm going to have to confront within a day. So, right. So for me, though, for us, like working that job, working like EMS or whatever. I can't speak for all the disciplines, only really for what we do. It's really simple to, when you're done working, it's just, you're done. You know, I deliberately don't take emails from, well, I get them, but I don't look at them or there's like, we, our company has a text service for like every single thing that's happening. So you get an email and a text. I don't see those. And I very deliberately work the 48 hour block shifts you know the four days and that's it you know and so 
when it, when I'm done, I'm just done. You know what I mean? And we have the same thing for us. We have Carrie knows because I shoot her a text. She knows what I'm dealing with. Last call. Right. You know? And so, you know, I guess what I was speaking to was that initial time when the kids are still doing their thing and some of them are doing homework and Reagan's on full Reagan, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, which is something. I mean, all y'all out there that's had a four-year-old, <laughs> it's something to behold, especially this one. So. But yeah, to, to be able to, to, car, to car, compartmentalize that stuff is important. I would say it's vital to be able to, to separate and stuff like that. Um, for you, Nick, what's, is it like, I mean, cause you've done basically <laughs> create your own schedule stuff, right? Which is cool. Yeah. So there, there's, you know, just like anything, there's, there's a pros and cons to that. Um, you know, there's so many people in the corporate world that, um, clock in at eight and clock out at five, right? Um, like different accountants, stuff like that. And as a the as a director position, you always have people underneath you asking questions, stuff like that. And being in a position of leadership, um, in, in a way, just never really kind of stopped. Um, but I've been blessed enough, though, for last. About 12, 13 years of I've worked from home. You know, with this whole pandemic thing, everyone's just trying to figure out, like, oh my gosh, can I work from home? How do I do this? What have you? And I've been doing it for more than a decade. Um, and it's it's amazing because I can take those time for lunchtime and, and have lunch with my kids because they're right there or um, be able to. Um, like, all right, well, let's go grab some ice cream or something like that and just have my phone with me and if I need to take a call or anything like that as well. Um, but the downside to that was just like, you know, Carl and Pastor Carl and Pastor Jen, um, Padre, um, you know, oh, there's you guys get to leave work and come home and be with the kids. They see me. They, it was hard for them to to, to distinguish um, what's work and not work because I worked from home. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so every time I was on the phone, they're like, "Dad's working." So even at nighttime, if I was on my phone, Dad's working, and they wouldn't bug me. So I had to just kind of be like, no, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not on the phone. So I had to initiate a lot of things of either one, me putting the phone down and going after them and being present or um, just keeping my phone away to a certain extent because technically in a position I was at, I was, you know, on call 24-7, you know. If right. my president called, he expected me to answer his phone. You know, I remember I was giving um, Kira a bath. And my president called me, and I just didn't get the phone call. And 10 minutes later, I call him. 10 minutes later, it's not like an hour, and he chewed me out. And I said, I'm sorry, I was, I was giving my daughter a bath. He goes, I don't care, you need to answer your phone. You know, so it, it, for me, it was, it was a struggle. Um, and the biggest struggle, like I said, was making sure that they understood what was work and what wasn't work. Um, 
And then soon later, you know, working full time, then opening different businesses and doing consulting stuff. Like I got to a point where, you know, I was just working so much that, you know, maybe like ministry or first responder, I just kind of burnt myself out to a certain extent. Right. And I realized how much I miss with my kids, um, you know, so from growing up in the projects to making quarter million dollars a year, I, I really realized family, man, it, it's, I'd rather spend right. more family with, time with my family and my kids and know that they know that I'm here, that I'm present, I'm, I'm engaging and that I want to be near them, that I want to be around them, not just, um, well, he has to be, or um, dad seems annoyed that I'm talking to him. And so that's the hard thing with the corporate world uh, of being in a higher leadership, of juggling being on call 24-7 and working from home with the kids. Um, if that makes all sense. I, I was kind of rambling, yeah, yeah. but no. it, it was yeah. really difficult for me. Honestly, it took me – sometimes my learning curves are really, really long. It took me a good almost, I think, three to four years to really get used to it and start creating boundaries and, and start understanding the cues um, that my kids were giving me. Um, especially at help when they got older, you know, right. right, right now, my youngest one right now, she's two years old and she sees me carry my phone with me all the time. And so she has a play phone and she always, now she's always carrying a phone around with her cause she sees me carry the phone around with her. Literally I came in the room one day and she just has it up to her ear, just jabbing, blah, 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 blah. I came in. She looked at me and said, shh, I'm on phone, Dad. I'm on phone. And just start talking, blah, 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 blah. And says, click. says, goodbye. She says, yes, Dad. So it's like, ah, you know, they're kind of picking that up. So it's I, – I would like to say that I have it all together when it comes to that. But I don't because the situations are always – they're always different and there's certain urgencies that are worse than other urgencies. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just, it, it's, it's hard to deal with. So. Yeah. Get it. I know you said earlier that you kind of had a good start of having those boundaries, but have you found yourself through the years creating more boundaries and learning to manage that more? Um, it ebbs and flows, you know, honestly, I've had, a bunch of different positions. So, you know, when you're like a young adult pastor, you don't generally get a ton of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? But once my yeah. position shifted, I would definitely say I had to learn more or, or different boundaries with that kind of stuff. You know, like that, once my position shifted to dealing with more major things, um, that was a hard cause you, cause you feel like everything's a big deal then, you know, everything needs to be dealt with right then. And the reality is, is half the time if people just relaxed for a second, the answer kind of comes to them, you know, the, right. <laughs> you know, the amount yeah. of times yeah. where I don't answer a message and then the next morning it's like, you know what? We figured this out and it's like, okay, good. You know, like, <laughs> nice. so yeah, I, I'd say as my 
as my position has shifted, yeah, I've, I've learned some new tips and tricks and, you know, learned that not everything is a massive deal. And, and at the same time, tried to respect that, you know, I, I don't know that I should always be the judge of what's a huge deal in a person's life. So when, when I do get to it, I want to make sure that it's validated and, you know, that I try to help them as best I can, you know? Right. All right. So as we get closer to landing the plane here, um, for, for those of us that are in the first responder world, I think it's important. This is, this is going to get a little heavy, but in our world, there is always the outside chance of the line of duty death. And I think as fathers that are paramedics or police officer, firemen or what have you to be prepared for that is, is important. And kind of, I think the best way to do that for me has been community who I align myself with, who are, who are my people. Um, I, I was told one time by actually by a chaplain when I was in the military and we were having a, this discussion, we were getting ready to deploy to South America. And he had basically what he told us is what we need to be able to do. He said, we need to be prepared enough so that all we need to do is die. There's, so I know it's Im- near impossible to have no strings, like no loose ends, but I think the main thing, like I said, for me, it's just been aligning myself with, you know, the right people. With that being said, it's, I'm very blessed to be able to look, to be in that building, to be at a, in, in the church or whatever men's ministry or group or you two gentlemen right here and know that my kids will be would be looked at looked after you know i mean i know that any gentleman that would be seeing you know looking at my daughters would be properly vetted you know i mean i have no question in my mind that there'd be there'd be men that would come up around my son to make sure he grew into a a, you know damn fine american um but I think these, those are things, it's hard conversations, sure, you know, but we're putting ourselves out there, you know, for, for fire guys and for police, you know, all of us really now. Um, I think these, those are important conversations. It's important to have that conversation with your wife. It's important to have that conversation with your kids if they're older. I mean, that's not a conversation that I would have with, you know, 14 down through four. But, and that's what I was actually just going to ask you is like, are, are your, have you had those conversations with the kids? Do they even somewhat understand that possibility? You know, I think, I think that they, they understand vaguely. I don't think they could have a conversation about it. Okay. Right. You know, I'm fortunate to have a wife that, that isn't, it makes no sense to her to worry, you know? It's worrying what's going to happen during the day. is isn't going to change what's going to happen during the day. Yeah. You know, I'm blessed at that. I've never been asked to do my job less than I do my job. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I, I have 
young friends who have that struggle because something, some near miss, if you will, happens. And then their wife, like, uh, you need to maybe not do that next time, you know? And we've been called into a, a field or a career field where like you can't be halfway, you know, you can't be like no such thing as halfway crooks is same, <laughs> same thing. You can't, you can't just part the way, do it, you know? Yeah. So 100% commit, 100% move forward. Yeah. So I would say with that, I just like know who your people are, you know, plan, do the, the practical things like don't do a will. Wills are bad. Do trusts and stuff like that. And at least have a will if you don't have a trust, you know, uh, but, but you're right. Be, a, a trust, not yes. to go, not to go in a rabbit hole, but those can be contested. They're no good. Yes, they go. can. They can. They definitely can go through probate and everything else. But anyways, yes. Mm, but that, I would just say, you know, <laughs> like I said, that's kind of a heavy way to, you know, yeah. kind of start to wrap things up, but it's, it's important for those of us that, who are in this. That's the reality of your field. Right. You know what I mean? Like that that wouldn't necessarily be the reality of a business owner or a pastor. You know, uh, there are other realities that we need to prepare our kids for, but not right. necessarily that one. I mean, you know, I could fall down the stairs and, and die, but, you know, like... Yeah. I, that's so weird. I'm sorry, but you know, but that, but, hey, you know, right. But that's it, my, my job generally is not going to cost me my life, you know, unless I really, really make one of those enemies, but yeah. <laughs> I've known a few pastors that, um, yeah, you know, they were, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, that's, but a good that's, point. The re- that's the reality of your job, man. Right. You have to, that's something that, you know, give a nod to all the first responders and everything. It, it's, I, it's, I don't, I think it's something that I was never be able to do. And, and I, I put myself in that situation. And, and again, I, I don't know that, but, you know, I just wasn't called into that field. You know, I, I know a lot of cops and military people and, done training with them and you know active shooting stuff and what have you and it definitely gives appreciation of what they do and how they do it and every day going out um, especially unfortunately in this day world right now that things are being scrutinized and but also to the same extent there's some people that are just you know it's like come on man you're in a place of authority you should not be doing that it's just right oh yeah so you know so yeah so I guess what I'm trying to say, yeah, to all your first responders, veterans out there, yeah, for sure, man. Thank you for what you guys do. It's definitely not something to be taken lightly, especially all the fathers that, you know, are doing it. Um, and so hopefully their kids your and your kids will be proud of that and um, be in a position of saying, hey, you know, my, my father did this and, he, you know, saves lives because you do that. I don't know what plenty of times you know there's some major things at gym that you go through that you you're able to revive people and just say you know save them yeah you know and 
and Carl, you, you do do that on a daily basis too. It may not be physically, but you know, you save a lot of people, you know, the words that you, you know, that are put in you from the Holy Spirit saves a lot of lives and change a lot of lives, you know, field I'm at is either one that person's going in debt or you know they it's or they, you know it's like what what do I really do you know but um you know that, that that's a big deal in both of you guys' field you, you both are really you know saving lives to a certain extent so well that's all I got you guys have any final thoughts you want to nuggets of wisdom dads are cool <laughs> that's true that's what i got man if there if there's if there's more fathers out there being fathers i think um a lot of the problems today would go away um and maybe i'm just being a little bit bold with that statement or what have you but i it just i think if more fathers are fathers you know things a lot of these problems was just slowly just fall in line and what have you. So they say, man, save the family, save the world. Speaking of dads, Carl Jones Sr. is Woo! He's my favorite, man. <laughs> Carl Jones Sr. is something. <laughs> something that else. Guy. I, I always I always love when he comes up to me and goes, Hey, what's up, Mr. Hollywood? <laughs> he calls me. Uh, and he's always talking food and everything else. And yeah. Oh my goodness though. He's a really cool guy. He's the Thursday guy. night version of your message, man. Woo. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. Uh, Don't even get me started. Uh, it was absolutely my, my, brilliant. Mom, if you're listening, control your man. <laughs> uh, I don't think uh, that's possible. Anyway, shout out, NWO. What? <laughs> All right. That's awesome, All right, man. Folks, <laughs> thanks for listening. Check us out on the socials. Stay tuned for more information about this house church we have coming. See you next time.